1: Ah, you damn right. Hope everybody is having a good Thursday. A little less of a Thursday if you're in Miami today rooting for the Heat. Denver takes a 2-1 series lead in Game 3 last night. There's some other NBA news to get into. Big name released. There's NFL news to get into. Big name released. And a Cowboys head coach asked about it. We'll get to that. More on the return of the House Divided, also an update on Texas Longhorn football, that if you're a fan, you're going to want to hear this one. Chad and Zay, on a Thursday, I'm Chad Hastings, and he is a Texas Longhorn football fan, among other things, Isaiah Collier. What's up, Zay? What up, Chad? What's
0: poppin', what's poppin'? Austin, Texas. Happy Thursday, everybody. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. There's a lot of good stuff to get into today, but mainly I'm going to be done with this show today knowing what you think of Face Off. I cannot <laughs> wait for the movie album swap. I listened to Ludicrous's Word of Mouth and Zay watched Face Off. I didn't even realize that. We didn't even plan that. We're talking faces and mouths today. Ah, yeah. In the movie album swap. That's at 2:05 and and for those of you that might think that one of these is a joke and one of these is not, I'm just going to let you all know, one got nominated for a Grammy and one got nominated for an Oscar. I'm just letting you know now. For those of you that might want to dog on the movie Face Off, we'll get to all that. Uh, it is a Thursday, getting closer to Texas baseball in the Super Regionals. That game is, of course, Saturday at 5, Texas. At Stanford, Craig Way, as I'm sure you heard on Light the Tower, headed out to Cali to get set up for all of that. 5 o'clock start, 445 pregame on Saturday. Right now we're still in a TBA situation for Sunday's game, which has to happen, and then obviously uh, Monday's game if necessary. So just keep it right here. Keep checking texassports.com, hornfm.com, all of our social media, and uh, we'll let you know when we hear those updates. All right, Zay, let's start with this NBA game. We'll get to the Texas Longhorn football thing this this segment as well. But Denver made you look smart and made me look smart last night. We both picked them in five. And they really took control of that game. One of the last things I said yesterday was go get it. Go act like a number one seed. That felt like a number one seed to me last night.
0: Yeah, it did. And shout out to Mike Malone. He kind of went against the grain with the minutes that he usually gives his superstars, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Both of those guys clocked in around 44, 45 minutes last night. And it was all needed because both of them put up historic triple doubles. That was one of the most impressive Two-man games that I've ever seen at this stage of the NBA Finals, and they did exactly what they were supposed to do. Like while I told that when I told y'all yesterday what they should do, get back to the two-man game. It don't matter. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are guarding you. Go at them, mm-hmm. and they will not be able to stop it because Nikola Jokic, he's unstoppable. And then once he starts scoring down low. Then Jamal Murray, it's going to open up his game from those dribble handoff threes to those off-the-dribble step-back jumpers. He was terrific, too. And when Jamal Murray, when he starts passing, which a lot of their assists came to one another, just Jamal Murray coming off that pick-and-roll and Nikola Jokic stopping in that the Sue sweet spot, not going all the way to the rim and knocking down that floater, which Nikola Jokic, I'm just so amazed by his touch. It's ridiculous. Somebody that big... Shouldn't have touched like that. Remember, Shaq and his free throws, like somebody that big, those right. size hands and stuff. It's hard to guide that ball.
1: Yeah, it's and, like he—it's like he was holding a grapefruit for oh, the rest of us. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's a joke. While, wow. well, not intended, Joker—he's out here just. Balls barely bouncing around the rim. Jeff Van Gundy points it out every game, and I love that he does it because it's something that is so skilled and so detailed, but people forget about it. Like People just think, oh, it's the NBA. We're used to big men doing this stuff. No, we're not. He made a move last night, Chad. He did like a butter roll finger roll off of like a closeout play that guards make. One dribble, get to the rim, nice little scoop-de-scoop layup. And I'm just like, dude, this is ridiculous. Then he has another play where he gets the ball at the elbow, mouse of the house. He does a quick spin. He doesn't hook. He's smart. He'll use his elbow as a hook instead of his arm, Mm -hmm. which is legal. And you can get away with that just if you don't actually elbow the guy. If you slightly just like smooth it over the hip, you've got to get low. He does that better than a lot of people in the association. And then he gets to that nice little floater. And they were killing them in the paint All game long. 60 points in the paint to Miami's 34. And they said, you know what, we really struggled from three-point land in game two. Contavious Carwell-Pope, he wasn't knocking down shots. Michael Porter Jr., Bruce Brown, all those guys that have been knocking down shots all playoffs long. Game two, they weren't doing that. So, to avoid all that, we're just going to beat them up inside. And I love what Aaron Gordon did on sealing his man. Every time Nikola Jokic got the ball on a pick and roll, Michael Porter Jr. or uh, Nikola, or excuse me, Aaron Gordon, they would cut to the basket or seal their man off because they would have a mismatch because Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr., both of those guys are around 6'10. Even though MPJ had two points, he had seven big time rebounds. Aaron Gordon had 11 huge points. And maybe the player of the game, not named Nikola Jokic and uh, Jamal Murray, Christian Brown, yo, I know my man Keenan Womack somewhere was getting hype, and I was mm-hmm. too because I remember being on BNE show running their board and telling those guys, yo, watch this guy at when they won that championship with Kansas. He's gonna help a team. So I don't know who it is, but somebody's gonna get a steal, and I think he got selected around 19th for Denver. That was a huge pickup because seven for eight, that big top 15 points only on 19 minutes. Talking talk about cutting at the right time when he started putting the ball on the deck, the nasty dunk that he had in the open break where he looked in the crowd and stuff, just momentum shifts. Mm-hmm. Like That's that's a great move by Mike Malone that I thought he didn't make in Game 2. In Game 2, you play Contavius Carwell-Pope, who was trash. You played him way too much. This game, you felt the game a little bit more. You read the game a little bit more like a coach should and realized Bruce Brown and Christian Brown, they look good out there. Bruce Brown didn't shoot the ball well, but he had three huge blocks.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and a couple of your big guys that you needed, the extra guys, Porter and Caldwell Pope, as you were talking, combined one for 11. So they're not giving you what you need. Brown was massive, the little tip away and dunk on the other, the finish on the other end. Seven of eight. He missed the three he took, but seven of eight, hit the free throw that he got off of an and one, and 15 off the bench was critical.
0: Yeah, it's huge, man. And you look at the Miami Heat, I mean, what the Nuggets did to the Heat is what the Heat did to the Nuggets in game two. We're going to allow Joker to score and we're going to try to stop everybody else. We're going to allow Jimmy Butler and Bam to score. If Miami's not knocking down threes, Kayla Martin, Duncan Robinson, Kevin Love, Max Strews, they're in trouble. They're a different team. Jimmy does not want to go for 40. I know everybody's been talking about where's Jimmy Butler been. Yeah. He's ha- he hasn't been the same Jimmy Butler since the Bucs, uh, Knicks, and the Celtics series. What's he doing? I thought that he was the aggressor last night. But that that played into their hands. And in game two, like Mike Malone said, they played really dumb, the Nuggets did. Really dumb. Mm-hmm. Just elementary mistakes that at this level you can't make. Like talking on defense that that should you should not have miscommunication on defensive assignments on simple pinned out screens in the NBA, that should never happen. They probably had about ten of those. I want to say Mike Malone like broke down the film and pointed out sixteen mistakes they had defensively, and all of that changed in game three. They stuck to their man, they stayed disciplined, they weren't biting on pump fakes and stuff. They realized that oh, Duncan Robinson. He might put it on the floor every once in a while, but I'm going to be locked in and every time he goes off the screen, I'm going to be in that hip pocket. Mm-hmm. Christian Brown was really good at that. I saw Michael Porter Jr at times. He was really good at that. And as good as Bam Adebayo's been and Jimmy Butler as good as he was if the heat aren't making three-point shots, they're
1: in trouble, especially with a team this
0: superior and the Denver Nuggets.
1: 31% from the from the three-point line uh, were the Heat last night. So three layers of history from last night's game. This is wild stuff. Zay mentioned the unique triple-doubles for Jokic and Murray. So Joker had 32-20 and 21-10. and 10. He is the first player to have a 30-20 and triple-double in a finals game. That's part 1. Part 2 is Murray. Murray had 10 assists last night, meaning he's had 10 assists in all 3 games in this series, first player ever to have 10 assists in the first 3 finals games he ever plays. That's part 2. Part 3, they each had, so 32 21 and 10. Murray has 34 10 and 10. Zay, that is the first time two teammates have had a 30-point triple-double Ever. Regular season, playoffs, finals, ever in an NBA game played on planet Earth. That's stupid. That's incredible. stupid. Again, back to those two guys. But think of every great duo you love. Uh That none of them ever did it, and these two guys just did.
0: Go all the way back, even though Red Arback was cheating his ass off. Go all the way back to... Koozi and you know, Bill Russell. Sure. Jerry West, Wilt Chamberlain. They H- weren't doing anything. check
1: checking somebody. check checking right. somebody. Magic and anybody.
0: You know what I'm saying? It's nuts. And it's they're, crazy. They're breaking records. They're making it look easy. And I know Jamal Murray, he took it upon himself as hey, I missed that big shot that could have taken us in the overtime and maybe won us the game in game two. And he came out. And as good as defender Jimmy Butler was, they had to switch the matchup because they were eating those guys alive. And Jimmy Butler was probably getting tired out because they probably didn't know, they probably didn't realize, oh,
1: these guys are just going to go two man game every single time they get the ball. This is a lot. And by the end, Zay, I think it was 0 for 2 for Jimmy Butler in the fourth quarter. You could see his gas tank emptying out in that third quarter. By the time he got to the fourth quarter, there was very little left for him to really make a push. Uh, I saw a lot of tired guys out there.
0: Jamal Murray, at times, defensively, he wasn't getting out to his man. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I know that drives Mike Malone crazy. Yeah. So there's a lot of tired guys at this point in the season. It's been a long 82-game season. Going through those three rounds is tough. It's not like back in the day where it was a best of five. I, we were watching the you know uh, 2001 Philadelphia a special and they talked about that first round against indiana and i was like Best of the Oh yeah they did do that that extra game it definitely means something and adds to your durability but like i've been saying this whole playoffs it exposes you no matter what from your coaching strategy philosophy where your coach can make changes within the game and play chess make chess moves out there to your players being durable being disciplined enough, understanding that you got to take care of your bodies in the offseason because once this time comes, you don't know how you're going to feel, especially the guys that have never done it before. Mm-hmm. That's why the Christian Brown thing is so impressive. Like, this dude was literally just in Lawrence, Kansas, a year ago today, basically. right well, probably prepping for the draft, but a year ago, he was playing for Bill Self. And that's a big reason why he's producing like this because he's played for for arguably the best coach in college basketball at this moment. Mm -hmm. And he played in national championship games and it's Kansas. Like, (laughs) he ain't afraid of this moment at all. And he showed that. I thought it was a good move to stick with him. And I think Miami, I think they're in trouble because now Denver's not going to stop doing what they're doing. All you could say is... Now we're going to have to let them shoot threes now. Now we're going to have to double Joker and double Jamal Murray and pray that Michael Porter Jr., Catavius Conwell, Pope, Bruce Brown don't make the threes that they've been making all playoffs long.
1: Yeah, and then you got to make a ton of them. Yeah. You got to be like Boston wants to be. Just make a ton. Shoot 40 of them and make a lot. Yeah,
0: and that's the strategy thing. We were literally just talking about the opposite last time Mm -hmm. and about how good of a, you know, Game plan it was, just letting Joker eat and stopping everybody else. But now, when Mike Malone's just saying, okay, we're just going to put Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and pick-and-roll action and dribble-loop action the whole time against Miami's two best players, and yeah. we're just going to beat them down low because this is the playoff. The refs, they don't want to call much. Remember that game one? Miami right. took two free-throws that game. Yep. And where's High Smith? Highsmith played that game. I haven't really seen him much in this, you know, these last few games. Think about Caleb Martin and what Caleb Martin, he won them that series against Boston.
1: Highsmith had two minutes last night.
0: So, like, Eric Spolstra, as good as he's been playoffs long, now he's starting to get all over the place. Yeah. And he's trying to figure things out. And. Now, it's, now that you're down 2-1, it's going to be interesting what they do and how they go about game four.
1: I think deep down we all should have realized, and I heard Rod in the afternoon guys and Harge and Patrick say this too, there was a nervous anger about what he did to Ramona Shelburne. It wasn't about Ramona Shelburne. It wasn't about Joker. It was about his nervousness, I think, for the overall series. He's on a weird edge right now, and I think he almost knows what's coming. He knows he's got a really weird matchup. In this series, last night was obviously tough for them. We'll see how they bounce back. Hey, great news. We don't have to have two days off between this. They're doing it tomorrow night. Okay. Tomorrow night is game four. We'll also get to the NBA big name release of the day, and it is CP3 that's going to be released by by Phoenix because otherwise they'd have to pay like four guys $30 million. And even now, even this NBA... You can't really get away with that. But I do want to make sure, Zay, we get this other story out. It's a fascinating conversation to have. If you are a Longhorn football fan, pay attention to this one because I think it's going to be important to just keep an eye on it and also know that other fan bases are probably going to rip you a little bit for this one. But it's something that might be good news in the end. So, Zay, I'm driving in listening to Jeff Howe. On Light the Tower. Shout out to Horns247.com. You can go to, to their site and see their insider piece this week with info on summer workouts. One of the nuggets of information they got from summer workouts is Texas football is changing the way they send in plays, the way they signal plays, because the thought is, Zay, that maybe a team or two or more, not sure about the number, but that opponents may have known what was going on with Texas at times last season. And somehow they've been able to detect this, and so they've decided to change the way they send signals. Yeah. Give me your thoughts here as a fan.
0: Um, I'm pretty salty, not going to lie. I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but when you hear the games that it might have affected, it really hurts because those were games that you were right there. And for the other team, to maybe have an advantage because you didn't do a good job with your coaching. Like, this is a coaching mistake. And the only thing I could think about is him trying to dumb down the offense for his freshman quarterback, Quinn Ewers.
1: To keep it simple and not change as they're going, Uh, right? Yeah, yeah, because he
0: can't handle all that. Or our Sark didn't have confidence in him handling all that. Which, along with all the other problems we saw, the second half issues, B. John Robinson not getting the ball enough, throwing it to Xavier Wordy when he has a broken freaking hand, at this being added, it hurts. Yeah. It, it really hurts, and it's very unprofessional. I hope that, I hope that it's not the case like it's not just this point blank like yo people were literally stealing stuff from y'all because y'all were making it so obvious with your play call i really don't want it to be that because this is the university of texas and this is big time power five football Those things are just unacceptable. Point blank,
1: period. Yeah, the two games I heard Jeff mention as I'm driving in, the first one that blinked at me when he started talking was Bama. And I thought, well, Saban, the time he spent it, Bama was mentioned, TCU was mentioned. So like you said, two close games, two close home games that Texas ended up losing and two coaches that have been around to block, Zay, between Nick Saban and... Uh, and Sonny Dykes, they've coached a few games, so maybe something was detected that way. We haven't heard the details. I don't think the de- and again, go check out horns twenty four seven dot com for all those uh, the details on it. But I don't know if we're going to get specifics on it for a while. Maybe Sark will address it at some point, but. Uh there's also some thought that these three new guys that are brought in, three new analysts, three new pairs of eyes, that either Crist or DeCamillis or uh, is it Sadat is the yeah, last name, yeah, yeah. that one of those three guys might have noticed something like, hey, coach, I think they might have known what you're doing
0: here. And that's like,
1: what they were brought here for.
0: Yes. To notice things as analysts, that's exactly what they were brought
1: here for. And if you're a fan, here's where we get to that good news, Zay. If you're a fan – then maybe they're doing what Rod Babers has been screaming at them to do for years, self-scout. Think about how you'd beat you. Go multiple levels into it. He ripped on Tom Herman for not doing it enough. He's ripped on Sark for not doing it enough. And maybe this is Sark saying, hey, I'm going to go multi-level here, and I'm going to diagnose the issues, and we'll start messing with it here in summer so we're ready in Tuscaloosa.
0: (laughs) I just, yeah, to know that it's Bama and TCU, like, that that stings a lot because, again, you were right there from Bryce Young, almost safety to almost sacking him, Ryan Watts, to the TCU game where Kendra Miller, if he didn't have that long-ass run and a couple of mishaps with Anthony Cook as a safety and just bad communication with the corner, like – What would have happened? And the fact that you couldn't move the ball, really, especially in that TCU game, knowing what we know now, it it can't happen.
1: It can't happen. It's tough. Now, it's also fair to say that if if the officials could have figured out that play in the end zone with Bryce Young or if Watts just makes a tackle, it doesn't matter. You're right. Right. That's true, too. But it's all close. And let's go back to that stat that I keep telling everybody about. Four and ten in one-score games at Texas. This addresses that problem. This is getting you to that problem. This is Sark saying, well, wait a minute. In games that are that close, why are we coming up short? Why are we getting, why is it not working for us in the second half? And maybe there's a third party, or he's seeing it too, saying, wait, wait a minute. It's because they might have known, or part of it, not all of it, but a big part of it might be, wait, they kind of knew what was coming. They knew our rhythm. We got to figure out how to change that.
0: Well, as think about this too, which I completely agree with, which you, Kelvin Banks was also a freshman, and he had one of the best seasons that we've seen Mm -hmm. from that blindside tackle. And think about all of the big-time, edge-rushing, first-round picks that he dominated this year. But there has to be reasons why, and you have to give him some help as a freshman and make life easier for him. So think about just even though he was so good, were they dumbing down terminology You know, just different type of play calling week to week, not changing much because you have so much youth on the offense. Even though they're talented, you just you could obviously tell in practice, hey, they won't be able to pick up stuff from week to week. It will overwhelm them and it will become an even even bigger problem. Maybe we could just out talent guys Mm -hmm. and hopefully that'll be the case and nobody could pick up on stuff. And clearly it wasn't.
1: Yeah, really interesting stuff there. So if you're a Longhorn fan and you want to check it out, Horns247.com. We are 86 days away from that first game, so the Longhorns may be trying to address some of those inner issues uh, and some of that self-scouting stuff in the summer. Um, So we definitely want to make sure to get that story out there. Real quick, Zay, before a break, CP3 released by Phoenix. You got a, a spot where you think this ends for him? Is it time to retire, or do you think he has a little bit left?
0: It depends on what he's willing to take. I mean, kind of like the Nuke Hopkins situation, you got to understand where you are in your career and what your value is. And if you want to keep ring chasing, which definitely CP3 should be at at age 38, you might have to take a backup point guard role. One of the first teams that come to mind that could use a backup point guard like Chris Paul, the Milwaukee Bucks. Hmm. Yeah, oh,
1: interesting. Okay, Drew
0: Holiday, he doesn't have many years left. He's already said in a couple of years when his contract's up, he'll probably retire. I know his wife, she's had cancer at one point of time. Oh, God, was, I didn't know that. Yeah, she was a former soccer player. I think she won the World Cup when USA did a couple of years ago. Okay. But um, I, I know he wants to spend time with his family and— we saw this past year, they need something else. Or this season, excuse me. They need something else. Even though Giannis got hurt in that first round, which I think if he was healthy, it would have been a completely different series. And Against the Miami Heat, Chris Middleton, eh, he just doesn't have that same giddy-up that he once did before all the knee injuries. So, I think Milwaukee, that sounds like a good Hmm. fit. And I don't know if you've seen recently Damian Lillard in some podcast that he was on. He just flat out said when he was asked, hey, if you were traded, where would you like to go? Homeboy just said, well, Miami, obviously. Wow. Damn, Dame, this is a change. Okay. This is different. Usually Dame's the loyal guy. Ready to roll, huh? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's ready to roll, but if I'm the GM for Portland, I don't like that too much. No. Because, and Dame understands, like, Scoot Henderson was just practicing there, was just had his little workout at the uh, Blazers facility, and Scoot Henderson is a point guard that could be very special, so I... I've always suggested Portland should get rid of Dame for his sake and theirs and build around Scoot and Shaden Sharp, the two guards that they could possibly bring on, which are very electric and high-flying and dynamic and start new. But, yeah, it's very odd to hear somebody like Dame Lillard, who he doesn't talk much, but when he does, it's usually important, and this was. So for him to throw himself out to Miami, I don't think Chris Paul Miami would fit well, but Chris Paul to Milwaukee look
1: for that keep an eye on that story plus coming up in the nfl another big name is available it's dalvin cook and somebody's already asked mike mccarthy about it we'll tell you what he said coming up plus a really cool story about nfl rookies and some nfl legends stay with us it is thursday and yes that texas football story we'll get plenty of discussion today if you have thoughts specs text line 337-3776 this is the horn Chad and Zay. Oh, man, this one takes me back, way, way back to the early days of MTV. Rock the Casbah by The Clash. I've seen this video about a thousand times. I mean, it was on all the time at the beginning. It's a pretty good tune. Yeah? Into the Clash at all? Heard any Clash stuff? No, this is it. This is the last, this is the one? Yeah, this was, this is their, certainly the biggest during that MTV era, and there's obviously stuff before that with the London Calling record, and uh, Should I Stay or Should I Go? A lot of great stuff from the Clash back in the day. They get us started today musically. Later on, speaking of music, I'll tell you what I thought of Ludacris's word of mouth. Zay, somebody uh, sent us a text. It's actually female listener number one. Says, I got some word of mouth this weekend when I saw Luda and Janet at the Mood. Wow. I didn't realize Ludacris opened that show. i I'd, I'd heard Janet was in town. Like, wait, were they together in town? That's an interesting mix. That is wild. So I got a picture from somebody here at the office. One of our guys went to that Janet Jackson show and saw Roddy Terry. Okay, Coach T. He took a picture with RT and sent it to me. He goes, hey, look who I saw at the Janet Jackson show. I was like, that's awesome, man. Roddy Terry's going to go see Janet. Um, And then I find maybe Luda was opening that show.
0: Yo, Janet? I know she got a song called Nasty. She's still getting nasty on stage. I like a video going around where she's going Zion Williamson and putting her tongue down the dude's throat and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Okay.
1: She's she's still getting risky with it. They call that choreography when it's on stage. You know that, right? They call that choreography. Shout out to Zion. We ain't forgot about you, dog. You
0: got trapped. Tyler Hero, you're good now. Zion, you're the example.
1: Hey, quick update there, Zay. I got this like official-looking email, and it references a story where some company called Cam Soda... An adult webcam site has extended a $500,000 offer to Mariah Mills to serve as their in-house play-by-play announcer for Pelicans games next season. (laughs) That's so petty. Dude, how sick are you if you watch an adult site to hear her comment on Pelicans games? That's sick. Yeah, you're in a dark place.
0: (laughs) I mean, ironically enough, she won't be really analyzing his games because he don't play. Yeah, so, that's true. It's going to be tough. You'll be talking a lot of Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum. That's it. But Zion, nah, he don't play. I can't believe he got caught up like this. That like is Coach K is probably so disappointed.
1: So like when they had that commercial with Boban where they're joking around like he's trying to be an announcer and he does. He bounce it, he bounce it, he bounces it. All she's going to be saying is still on the bench, still on the bench, he's still on the bench, he's still on the bench. <laughs> All right, uh, NBA stuff out there, obviously. Denver winning Game 3, CP3 has been released. And where could he end up? Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, this is a lot of um, you know things to, to pay attention to. There, somebody did a female listener number one. Ludacris is doing the full tour with Janet. She did lots of stuff that felt lap dance ish, but she worked it.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, she still got it.
1: That sounds like a good she thing. She still got it. Sounds like a good thing, female listener number one. We are glad you're out there listening, and uh, I hope you had a great time at that show. That's a great double bill there. All right, so we also have some NFL stuff to get into here. Number one is Dalvin Cook has been released. The Vikings have, uh, have informed him he will be released. Zay, as a Cowboys fan, I was interested a week ago. I was interested yesterday, and I'm interested today. Unfortunately, if you're like me and you're a Cowboys fan, David Moore tweeted out earlier the quote from Mike McCarthy. I have great respect for his game, but I don't really have any comment on anyone outside of our roster. McCarthy when asked to describe their level of interest in Dalvin Cook. And at that point, it was soon to be free agent. Did he really say that, though? I can't make a comment on anyone outside of our roster? Huh? So, like, if an NFL legend dies and they ask you about that, I'm sorry, he's not on our roster. I can't. Oh,
0: come on. What
1: are we? Come. What are we talking about, Coach? I get.
0: I get it, Big Mike. Look, we know what he said about the running game this year. They're gonna put a lot of emphasis on it. Okay. So you want to respect the running backs in the room, from Tony Pollard, Malik Davis, even Deuce Vaughn, and mm-hmm. Ronald Jones
1: and Ronald Those Jones, guys
0: too. He's. I guess you're gonna make it work with that four and we're going to see what happens. But I'm not a Cowboys fan, and I feel your pain, Chad. I would want a guy for the last four years that went over 11,000 yards and a couple of those years, 15,000 yards. But he is a little injury-prone. He's 27, so he's taking a lot of hits at this point. They used him a lot down up there in Minnesota. So I, I don't know. I just heard Mike McDaniel say something about him. With the Dolphins. Oh, good Lord. Of course. You, yeah, know, he, and that, you know, he's
1: greedy. There's talk that he also wants that being a Florida guy. Ah,
0: oh, he is a Florida Dalvin's guy. Dalvin's a Florida
1: kid. Remember, he was at Florida State, but that's his neck of the woods. Like, that would be going home for him.
0: Yeah, that'd be scary.
1: Uh, last four years, 14 games, uh, as far as games started, 14, 14, 13, and 17. 4.7-yard average for his career. Uh, over 1,100 all four years, and almost 1,600 in 2020.
0: So he doesn't miss that many games as I thought.
1: No. he. I mean, to me, he has been feels pretty durable. He is at that 27 magic number for running backs where they say it starts to go downhill. What I would ask you, Zay, is it's third and two, biggest moment of the game, and you've got to run. Do you hand it to one of the four guys you've already mentioned, or would you rather hand it to Dalvin Cook? Oh, Dalvin Cook, no question. Me too. So... If you were, and we were looking up the neighborhood he's in, he was going to get paid what, about 11 mil?
0: Yeah, about 11 mil, 12 mil. Okay. The Vikings are saving 9 mil.
1: Cowboys, you got to go looking into something like this. You have shown us that you will go free agency, you'll do it. Here you go. You said you're going to run the damn ball, and he is Dalvin Cook. You want to help out Micah Parsons to make this defense feel a little bit more like the Ravens from back in the day? Give him a running back that kind of reminds somebody that might sort of remind somebody of Jamal Lewis at times. Because those other four guys don't. I like them all. Not one of them have I watched and thought, you know who that guy looks like right now. That's Jamal Lewis, baby. That's not what I've thought. <laughs> but at least Dalvin is a little bit closer to that. I would love for the Cowboys to take a look at this thing. Dalvin Cook available. Miami's probably the first one to think of, though, too, because he may want to go home.
0: I mean, they did get your guy Devin A-Chain, but he's just a rookie, so who knows? They got Raheem Mostert, and after that, it's a pretty dry up there in South Beach. So. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense for Dalvin Cook to go play with Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill. And at the end of the day, we all know it depends on Tua's health. As good as that defense is now, adding Jalen Ramsey on the other side of Howard, we know it depends on Tua's health. Mm -hmm. But, man, it will help Tua a lot more if you can hand it off to a guy like Dalvin Cook,
1: for sure. It's a great point. I hadn't even thought of it. You're right. Miami's kind of in the same spot. You'd mentioned the running backs they have with A Chain and Mostert or whatever. To me, they've got like, they've got some badass salad forks and dessert forks. They need a fork, fork. They need a regular fork. And that's Dalvin Cook. That's what they need. Mostert, eh, kind of. Jeff Wilson, you know, I love me some Devon A Chain. A Chain feels like a specialist to me. Yeah. I don't know if he's an every-down type of guy right now. He can do some things for you. I don't know if he can do all those things. Miles Gaskin I'm seeing here is listed fourth string. Cat out of Washington. Not exactly a workhorse kind of guy. We'll see where Dalvin Cook ends up. I admit I'm from the era where running backs mattered more than they do now. I think they're more special than NFL teams do nowadays. But I think there's still a place for Dalvin Cook. In this league, I think there's still another year or two where he's a badass.
0: Well, don't forget, it was just a point of time where we were talking about the Dallas Cowboys drafting B. John Robinson if he fell to him. Mm-hmm. So the running back, like Ronald Jones, they pushed the needle for no damn body. And... Yeah, Tony Pollard, I love what he could do, but he's still coming off that pretty gruesome leg injury. And even though I just heard him in the presser say that he's way ahead of schedule when it comes to rehab and whatnot and being available during the season, which is great for Cowboys fans, he's not a bell cow. right? He, He just isn't. And with that injury, it makes me even more worried about his longevity coming yeah. into this season, especially with the way Mike McCarthy's talking, which I still think it's kind of like, you, you know, let's see You think see he's what, still trying that, to get after, after that. And I also yeah. think Michael Parsons is too low-key with the statement he made about the 2000 Ravens team and right. whether people <laughs> think whatever you think of Trent Dilfer or not, I think Michael Parsons is letting know because if I'm Dak Prescott – I'm taking offense to that.
1: You think he's saying to Dak Prescott, dude, I just said all you have to do is be Trent Dilfer. (laughs) Did you pay attention? Did you hear what I just said?
0: (laughs) That must hurt.
1: That Uh, must hurt a
0: little bit. If you're Dak Prescott, I know he's very confident in himself. Why wouldn't you be offended by that?
1: That's got to sting a little bit. You're right. You're right. If Mike McCarthy had said, we're going to make this offense work around Dak Prescott and we're going to get up and down the field, then I wouldn't be on him to check out Dalvin Cook. But saying what he said about the running game, I would take a look. Dalvin Cook out there today. So keep uh, keep an eye on that.
0: Also, Chad, what Dak just said in the press where he said this new offense is – a lot of what our old offense was with a mix of the West Coast
1: offense. Mm-hmm. They're calling it the Texas Coast. Texas Coast offense. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Shout out the Bill Walsh. We'll see. We <laughs> shall we
1: shall see. Um the other NFL story I wanted to throw out today, Zay saw this as well. I retweeted it earlier at C Hastings 1049. Adam Schefter is where I saw this on a tweet. They did uh, they being fanatics the apparel company. They did a cool little video documentary. It's a little short. It's about three, four minutes long. But it's some of the biggest names that were drafted sitting down, and they play videos from the one NFL player that they told them is their biggest idol. Why did you start playing? Because of that guy. What film did you watch the most? That guy. So they sit them all down, from Bryce Young to Bijan to Deuce, Deuce Vaughn. Vaughn, all kinds of different guys, and then they just start playing this video from that guy: Tom Brady, Barry Sanders, Ray Lewis. Pop to my, Jerry Rice was one. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron, George Kittle, gosh. dude. When Aaron Rodgers said to was it said to Bryce Young, "How's my locker?" Said, oh, he said
0: not, to. Oh. Whoever got drafted there is it Levis that no. ended up there? No, not Levis. That's who, the Tennessee, somebody I don't
1: know. Yeah, is. yeah. Somebody that ended up in Green Bay said, "Hey, how, how, how's my locker?" <laughs> that was funny. Uh, but it's a great video. Go check it out. Towards the end of it, they tell everybody to look under their seat. They kind of do it like an Oprah episode. You look under your chair, and they give them each a signed Sean Clifford. Sorry. Sean Clifford. Yes, they eat the the Penn State guy. Yeah. So they give them each a signed jersey by that guy, and say they all turn into children. It's so great. You have got to go see it, including when Deuce Vaughn is staring at that Barry Sanders jersey. That's when I almost teared up. He looks like he's about to. It's good stuff.
0: Yeah, a couple of guys did tear up. I don't know who it was that got the love from Adrian Peterson, but he teared up Mm -hmm. when Adrian Peterson gave him that advice. And, yeah, it's an amazing video. And shout out to all the legends that were involved because – That type of motivation for a young guy, that could change their whole outlook on the NFL. Maybe some guys, you know, you come to the NFL and not everybody loves football. You always hear that. Like these guys in professional sports, which is bananas to me to know this, but it is a thing. Like some guys love what football brings them or what the sport that they play professionally brings them instead of loving the game itself. And things like that could change your whole perspective on the rest of your career and how you go about things. Cause you're like, oh man, times are tough. I remember Barry Sanders has my back. Barry Sanders showed me love. He believes I can't let him down. I can't let down Jerry Rice, right. Ray Lewis. Yep. Ray Lewis thinks I'm a good player. What? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, th- things like that. Like, I was just talking about Craig Way and Bob Cole and Eric Raines hitting us up yesterday. Like, I, I, I feel the same way. Like, that's. That boosts my confidence. Like, i just thinking about what they feel. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just things like that. It's very special. And bravo to all those guys that were a part of it.
1: And one, my favorite little detail they were able to create was Tom Brady was Will Levis' guy. And Tom Brady was saying to Will Levis about how to – he's like, I sat there a long time. I know what it's like to sit there and not get drafted. And you could see it on Levis' face like, oh, God, that's Tom Brady talking about that. Yeah. Because we all know Tom Brady's 199, sixth-round guy. Tom's like, hey – now, maybe they didn't throw that camera in my face like they did yours, but I've sat there for a while, too. You can't make that define you, and he gets into a little little pep talk. It was cool.
0: Okay, I'm glad you mentioned Tom Brady because he had one for Levis and Bryce Young. Both yes. of those guys looked up to him, and Tom was giving them game. Yeah, Go back and watch that. Look at Tom's eyes. He looks blazed like Snoop <laughs> Dogg and Willie Nelson on vacation. He looks high out of his mother loving mind. Like Snoop with Andy Sandberg oh, on the beach. Yo, I was <laughs> like, Thomas, I retirement's treating you good. I know that Vegas weed is legal, but damn.
1: Oh, that's funny. That like, is funny. He looked
0: very relaxed. He looked like he was enjoying life, like the Giselle thing bothering him. Life is good. He just got, you know, ownership and the Raiders. Life is good. I'm going to twist me some tree and light up this Philly.
1: That is funny. Uh, If you want to go check that video out, it's called The Locker Room if you want to do a search that way. Coming up at 105, Texas football fans will dig further into this story, the idea that Texas is changing the way they send in their signals because they feel like some opponents last year – knew what the signals meant. We'll get into all of that. Up next in the crap bag, what I had wrong about Ross Bjork and the house divided, plus a massive name that might be coming to town soon. This is the horn. Chad and Zay. I do not recognize that voice. It sounds kind of Richard Marxish ish but I don't think it's him. He has a great afro or had a great afro. I don't know what he looks like now. now Mar- Richard Marks had great hair, but it wasn't quite an afro. The white fro. Lou Graham? There it is! Is that right? Yeah! Okay. Yeah. You you helped me with the fro line because Lou did have one of the great white guy fros <laughs> oh, back in the man. day. Oh, there we go. I just guess I didn't realize this was Lou Graham. He had a successful solo career in addition to the Foreigner stuff. Lou Graham and The Clash getting us started today. By the way, speaking of music, massive news going on in the world of music. In case you have not heard, we get the pleasure of announcing to you today that Nickelback is going on the Get Rolling Tour with special guests Brantley Gilbert and Josh Ross Saturday, September 23rd at the Moody Center. Now look, that's right in the middle of football season. Obviously, we are all very busy. And they offered me up the tickets and obviously any other time of year I would be there in two seconds. Would you now? But instead, I've decided the people, Zay, need to experience live music in September. So, go to hornfm.com, go to the events page, and get yourself signed up to win them before you can buy them. They don't go on sale until the 13th, which is Tuesday at 10 a.m. Go to hornfm.com. We got your chance at Nickelback Tickets.
0: Yo, I'm with it. Sounds like a great show to me. Y'all tripping.
1: Well, I'm just just letting you know. I know a lot of them there.
0: Nickelback haters out there. Mm. That's BS. Those guys, they can rock a show still to this day. It's
1: just crazy. By the way, here's this is a crazy thought. Niner fan texting saying, I'd like to see Dalvin in San Francisco in case McCaffrey gets hurt. No, Good no. Great. No, y'all. no. No, 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 no. No, that cannot happen. And for you Philly fans about to send a text, don't. Please. Please don't. Don't need Dalvin Cook to go to one of those teams. Please. Yeah, that's, that's mad greedy. That's <laughs> Oh, my God. I'd rather see that as a Dallas Cowboy thing. Maybe that's greedy of me as well. I get it. Uh, all right, speaking of football, we'll talk some Texas football coming up. This story from Horns247.com, part of their info from summer workouts, stating that Texas is changing the way they send signals in. Because they think the opponents might have been figuring them out last year. We'll get into that story. Right now, a little bit more on House Divided with the Crap Bag, plus a massive name that may be headed to town. Chad's Crap Bag. Crap Bag. If you need an
0: easy way to remember it, Just think of a bag of crap.
1: All right. uh, It's brought to you by AV Consultations. 255-8678 or go to avconsultations.com. So I had one thing wrong, and then I think a lot of other people had something wrong yesterday. Let's clarify. I had not been able until last night, really, to find a direct quote from Ross Bjork saying the game will be played in College Station. I just kept reading these things where I'm like, well, he's saying he'd like it to be. He's saying they've expressed that to the SEC, but I haven't really heard him say, but it is out there. He said to the Houston Chronicle at one point along the way, quote, and it will be played at Kyle Field. He stated it clearly.
0: So he said at one point in time we don't know the exact date he said
1: this? Yeah, he said. I think this is going back to, I think it's February of this year. Oh, wow. I think it goes back to, or excuse me, maybe this is, I'm sorry, maybe it was February of... 2022? 2022, yeah. So in the last year or so is is when this is. And he's not backed off of it. And at one point, Kirk Bowles tweeted out that he reiterated that it would be at Kyle Field. I haven't heard anybody follow up and say, has the conference told you this? And had that answer. Uh, They asked Greg Sankey directly, and he said, you'll find out on the 14th. That's all he would say. So... When Billy Lucci yesterday gets – when he's on Feinbaum and he says Ross Bjork has drawn a line in the sand, he believes it'll be in College Station, that is true. I think what, what got weird yesterday – look, I understand a lot of you Longhorn fans love to make fun of Billy Lucci and Tex Hags. I've known Billy a long, long time. I feel like I'm perfectly balanced in this discussion because I can talk to Billy Lucci and Jeff Ketchum, and I think they'll both talk to me. So those seem to be two guys everybody just loves to hate for a bunch of weird reasons. But in the case of Billy, go back and listen to what he said. He said he drew, he, that Bjork drew a line in the sand and that he thought the game would be played. But then the, the headline was that Billy said it was a lock. No, he didn't. Billy Lucci, and credit to you, Zay, you, said, you told me to listen to you. You're like, go listen to that. I don't think Lucci says it that clearly. Lucci did not say it's a lock. Lucci said Bjork must have been told it's going to happen because he says it. He is saying it's going to be in College Station. And then Feinbaum, everybody's talking about, well, Feinbaum really called Lucci out. No, he didn't. He asked him to clarify. And he's like, hey, why do Aggies feel that way? And he said, is it because they didn't think this was going to happen? and Entitlement. They kinda, and they kind of feel like it's a favor. Maybe not entitlement, but, well... That they are entitled to a favor.
0: Yeah, entitled to a favor, because yeah.
1: Because of what happened to them. Like,
0: we got screwed over. We thought coming to the SEC, it was just going to be us, the only Texas team right. in the Southeastern Conference. Y'all lied to us.
1: Yeah, to a lot of Aggies, that mattered. And then, the so the idea would be that you go ahead and start it in College Station to kind of give them a little something on the front end here, um, you know, of it. So that, I think, just... Again, I'm not, I'm not saying Billy won't do something that you can make fun of. I've made fun of Billy over the years. I'll tell you when I think he's wrong, but I don't think he directly predicted that. But Bjork is. Let's be clear. The AD at A&M is saying that game's going to be played at College Station. And all Chris Del Conte will say is, I don't know. That's kind of internet stuff. I haven't heard anything for sure. <laughs> so he's kind of keeping it cool. We will see. For the record, I if, if I'm the SEC... I would start in College Station. I'd start where you finished, and because of the way things happened with A&M and the weird communication that was done, I would start it there. Also, Zay, because there's not a lot coming from the Longhorn side that really cares either way. There's really not.
0: Yeah, I just want the game to happen.
1: This is an opportunity, and and the, the best part for everybody is both sides want it. Listen to the rhetoric that's out there. We want to play them every year. We want nine conference games because it gets us more rotation. It gets us better matchups. It gets us more SEC matchups. Those, they're all checking boxes for that. Del Conte and Bjork are saying all the right stuff for all of that. I agree with them. And the nine conference games is the much easier way to get this game every year. Otherwise, you're going to you're gonna have to sort of fix the schedule if you go eight conference games, to get it to happen every year. It would have to go into a rotation, or you'd have to, again, kind of fudge the numbers a little bit. So they all want it. It's a matter of where, I'll be honest, I truly don't care. I can make an argument for for each. Again, for the sake of sort of what has happened, I might lean College Station. I could make the argument for Austin. We find out next Wednesday night. I am so excited to find out officially that it's back. And find out where so we can all start thinking about it.
0: Yeah, as long as the game's back, I don't give a damn. At the end of the day... If y'all feel entitled that y'all have to have of that Kyle Field, we'll beat y'all's ass there. That's how I feel about it. Well, And, then and it'll be even more beautiful to know how y'all wanted it there and for us to roll up and get the dub. I mean, that would be so
1: sweet. That was another angle I thought of today. The home team is going to have a ton of pressure in that first game. Yeah. Whichever way it goes, that home team will have the pressure of, okay, really? New member of the SEC? Let's see it, Texas. We're going to throw our logo on the field. Let's see if you can measure up. Or it's, hey, you've been here for a decade plus now. You're an SEC team. They're not. They've been an SEC team for 10 minutes. Can you handle it? Yeah, and I also think – Both ways. There's a lot of pressure on that.
0: Yeah, you're right. And I also think about it could work in the opposite favor for y'all, us going up there and – our players not knowing the magnitude of this rivalry because it's been so long since this game has happened and not understanding how much heat they're going to get from Aggie fans. And some guys pressure bust pipes. Some guys love that stuff. Yeah. And we're literally about to talk about Sark and his play calling getting chopped up. Right. That's <laughs> like, true. For, you know, scouting purposes for the opposing team. So, you think about think about going into Kyle Field, how rowdy it will be with all them folks going crazy, calling you out your name, calling your mama, your girlfriend out they name, just talking crazy to get you off your game. And why wouldn't Steve Sarkisian think about Oh man, I gotta dumb it down for these guys because mm. we're go we're throwing them into an environment that they've never experienced before. I've never experienced before my first time coaching in it.
1: First off, uh, I don't know what you mean about the atmosphere. It's always been very civil. Oh, yeah. in college, Station. Yeah,
0: y'all don't do weird stuff before the game or anything. And secondly, on Friday nights. And
1: secondly, Sark definitely needs to make sure he gets this play calling thing figured out by twenty four because you know Jimbo likes to wear those reading glasses. It helps him see even further. He can see even farther <laughs> across the field. All right, uh, so there's just an update there. I did have a little bit of that wrong, uh, but I do think some people were misinterpreting the uh, the Lucci stuff yesterday. We'll see where all that goes next Wednesday night. And real quick, if you're a soccer freak, Lano Messi could be coming to Q2. Now, that's if Miami comes to play, but he may be going to enter Miami. That is the the talk now. They haven't officially got the deal done, but apparently he's picking MLS over international options, so there could be a day somewhere in the future where Messi and that Miami team come to town to play Austin FC. That's so wild. Dude, if you're a soccer freak, you have got to make sure you're there for that. Yeah,
0: I feel Messi, man. Like He still has a lot in the tank, and a lot of those guys... Love being in America and getting that love, so why not? When you're getting up there in age, go mm-hmm. the David Beckham route. And he's definitely going to get that love. He's one of the most popular athletes
1: ever. Especially when you get to do it in those cities. Beckham did it in L.A. He'll do it in Miami. Genius. Not bad. All right, uh, coming up, 1 o'clock hour, Longhorn fans, they are changing the signals because apparently Nick and Dykes and others knew what the signals meant. We'll talk about it on the horn.